0: We have a terrible decision to make. An innocent life versus the future of all mankind. It's an uncertain decision and we don't have a lot of time.
1: Whatever future humanity might have depends upon the choice that is made right here, right now.
0: We have 45 minutes to decide. Doctor! I'm not going to give you another chance.
2: The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome everyone listening to our 275th episode, 275. And I couldn't do this without Clarence
3: Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? I'm doing great, man. And as always, glad to be back on with you guys to talk about the show we all love. So I'm doing splendid.
2: Mm, splendid. Well, someone who I think we would be not splendid. Can't think of a good word to use there, but someone who is absolutely fantastic—that I do know, Lee Shackleford. How are you?
1: Wow, what an introduction! And I'm with Clarence, so we're here. I, I'm glad to be with you guys talking about that show that we all love, Strange New Worlds.
2: Interesting, and it is a strange new world because they are going to the moon in this episode. But if someone were listening to us for the very first time, I would say, for God's sake, have you nothing better
1: to do with your time? No, I would say, I know that you do, but so we're super grateful that you're spending this time with us. You know, we try to be positive, even about things that we don't uh, particularly care for. We try to find the, find the good in, uh, well, in everything. So that's our mission. I say that in case you're joining us for the first time.
2: Well, considering the fact that you did make a joke or a play of words of strange new worlds, Mm -hmm. and if you do listen to things of back in time, forward through time, discussing who, Clarence, where else, if someone was interested in taking a trek through the stars to a strange new world, where could they listen to us talking about it?
3: Oh yeah, you can uh, check out our sister brother sibling podcast discussing trick where we talk about all talk all about this stuff. So one
2: other thing that I have before we move on, there is a family of Doctor Who fans who have been recently listening to us along with watching Doctor Who as they watch the episode, they also listen to us. This is the Mullen family. And I would like to say, on behalf of all three of us, a big hello to the Mullen family. They are Michael, Tina, Paige, and Isabella. So, Michael, Tina, Paige, and Isabella, thank you for your support and for discussing who with us. Yes. Hello. Indeed. Hello. And thank you for listening. Yeah,
1: I love the I love the names uh, in your family. You, that they you sound like um, uh,
2: medieval royalty. Indeed. Queen Tina of the Mullen family, of House Mullen. There we go. <laughs> and Lady Page and Lady Isabella of House Sorry. Mullen. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, do you guys have any other items before we move on? Not for me. Awesome. Mr. Brown, do you? No, sir. All right. So for everyone listening, if you have not seen Kill the Moon... Put us on pause. Go out, watch the episode. Come back because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers? Affirmative. Spoilers.
0: Spoilers? What's spoilers? And I killed Sparky too.
2: Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out and we are back to review Kill the Moon. This is the 7th episode of the 2014 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 4th of October, 2014. It starred Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor, Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald, and Samuel Anderson as Danny Pink. Unfortunately, it did not feature Michelle Gomez as the still unnamed mystery woman. Summary view, Clarence. I'll start with you. Summary view. What say you?
3: Oh man, as as we've been talking so much about how the doctor has been up and down, mostly mean for me through the first few episodes of this season, Uh, I think he takes it to the ultimate level here by leaving Clara with a choice, make making her make. The hard decision, and wow, um, I think I really enjoyed this episode. I had fun with it. It did have some meandering moments, but overall, I think
1: it was a pretty good episode. I would have to agree with all of that. It is, uh, uh it, it is a landmark episode. But one feels in the nature of the our depiction and understanding of the Doctor, and of his relationship with his companions, or maybe his his relationship with the whole human race. Yeah. Surely. And and it's hard, it's hard to watch some of that, and um, I don't know, um, but we'll we'll get into it.
2: <laughs> I will say that this is even when I was sort of in my years-long anti-Clara phase. Right, this was one of the standout episodes for Clara, so much so. That I memorized. I can't do it now, but I memorized at one time that entire uh, speech at the end that she did. So mm-hmm. I, I really, really, really liked this. I think this was a good showcase for Jenna Coleman, but also for Peter Capaldi. So, so let's talk about words. We're talking about the doctor, and we're talking about his demeanor. And Clarence, I know I just pointed the other one to you, but I want to bring this back also to you because you did bring up his demeanor. Words matter. I know that I've made words about Courtney saying that her character was irritating. What did you think of the relationship with Courtney and Courtney's story? So we, anything about her entire story arc in this episode? Thoughts?
3: Yeah. I rather liked her arc. From, you know, we saw her several episodes back up until now, I feel like her fascination and her overall just enthrallment of the Doctor is something that would really happen if a little kid was taken on the TARDIS. And they wouldn't want that experience to end, much like in much older kid or young adult would. Uh-huh. I just I just feel all of that as feeling very natural, very real. So in that aspect, I really liked her character, and even for all the quirks of having a young kid aboard the TARDIS brings, I really thought that was good. <laughs> it was a little hard to see her wanting to be labeled as special. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't feel like that's something realistically a kid would ask for. I don't think. I mean, if it's your parent, of course, you know, you want your parent to think you're special or whatever. It's something I feel like she should earn instead of asking for. But by the same token, I could feel why she would feel down if the doctor is not even just saying she's special. You know, how sometimes a doctor can be like, oh, you're just normal humans or he's even used animal terms to call call us humans, humans before. So in that aspect, I can see if he came at her with something like that. I could see her wanting to be valued as more. But to be called special, I feel like she probably has to earn it. But it was an interesting dynamic of seeing her. her, I feel like over the course of this episode, kind of earned that with the doctor. So in that aspect, I really enjoyed the aspects of her character in this story. Do you think she's really going to be president of the United States? (laughs) Well,
1: (laughs) Mm, i'll let you with that be let's count it up no <laughs> yeah this episode takes place yeah 30 years after broadcast so she's gonna have to get with it i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe she's not the president that is referred to in the episode mm. later on mm. so she, Interesting. She, she could be a later lady president but anyway um and i hope you caught the quick uh for for, for classic who fans uh the doctor is when he's just prattling on. He says that she she meets this fellow named Blinovich, who is a a time travel theorist, who has put forth what uh, what Uvians <laughs> came to learn is the Blinovich limitation effect, hmm. which prevents time travelers from running into themselves. And obviously, it doesn't doesn't always work. If if I understand how the Blinovich effect is supposed to work. But anyway. So, um, which
2: which came first, the blah, 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 blah effect yeah. that you just said, or mm-hmm. the first law of time?
1: I don't think we talked about the first law of time until the new series, but we were talking about Blinovich uh, at least as far back as the Sixth Doctor. Mm. I they, think. They, they carry on about it in uh, The Two Doctors, our favorite serial. Oh, so. But
2: it, yeah. add a third doctor. And in The Three Doctors, they actually do mention it because okay. they say that they're they're breaking the laws of time. I was actually just trying to be snarky and funny yeah. by saying which came first. Okay. Um, I didn't
1: remember that, so that's cool. Anyway, you no, know, I, I really like her in this episode, and I, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I didn't question the am I special thing at all, uh, maybe because I know that a lot of us yearn for that answer, but are we thinking about it when we're her age i don't know uh, consciously she
2: had to be conscious of it enough to express it
1: yeah and that that may be the thing that's a little harder to believe
2: i'm going to take it a little bit uh, in a different but the same direction and what i mean by that is i think if danny pink or mr pink or miss oswald said something to her saying you're not that special she would just look and say squatty and make a joke and you're just a teacher the doctor is not just a fill in the blank
1: no and And clara says so
2: and and exactly and i think that gave weight to you're this time person you have this marvelous thing and you're basically saying i'm nothing i think that added weight there perhaps
1: and more than one person has had the experience of going with the doctor and ex- and and putting it all together that time is vast yeah. <laughs> and the universe is conceivably even more vast. When you look that in the face, you can get reduced to nothing. Mm. And mm. so she, she may be just old enough to really be putting that together and saying, wow, do, do I matter in all of this? Anybody.
2: Um, you know, even Clara had said, we must be like ghosts to you. Uh, Let's talk about the setting for a moment. And Lee, I want to point this one to you. Did you find this scary? And would you consider this a base under siege story?
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> well, there's there's the literal ticking bomb, and there's the no way out. So yeah, it's it's a base under siege story. I, as a space travel enthusiast, I know that you cannot land a space shuttle like that. <laughs> and in a way that takes me out of the episode. I go, well, you can, uh, okay, they're dead, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know. But once we get out on the surface of the moon and it's crawling with bugs, um, I, I really dug that, uh, that was, those were my favorite visuals in the episode. Until the, until the moon hatches, but uh, what about you? What did what did you think about?
2: Well, I have one other question before before I answer that. Mm. Did you find it reminiscent of anything Hinchcliffe? I know you were a big Hinchcliffe mm. fan from the classic era. Did you feel did it emanate any Hinchcliffean vibes to you?
1: Well, as soon as they got out of the ship, and there was nobody to be seen for miles. You got to think about every time they they land in a rock quarry and say we're on another planet. Um, So, so that was kind of cool, but yeah, it's, it's kind of got Hinchcliffe all over it. It's a, it's a scary story and there's no way out and, and an interesting problem to solve a, a a moral dilemma to solve. So, yeah. So
2: here's why I asked Mm. that last question. There is a, um, I don't know if this actually happened, but in my research for this episode, allegedly Moffat told the writer for this episode to Hinchcliffe the blank out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was you know, okay. curious if you felt that that was accomplished. Yep,
1: he did it. And and this writer, by the way, is uh, someone who's, whose work we know, and we'll see you again. Um, and I'm just now blanking on his name. Maybe you can help me out here.
2: Minutes, minutes, we'll go minutes. Uh, Peter oh, Harness.
1: Harness.
2: Peter um, Harness.
1: Later on, for doctor who he will write a uh, pyramid at the end of the world and the uh the zygon 2 or the zygon invasion and the zygon inversion
3: mm-hmm.
1: i i also know him from the much anticipated war of the worlds tv series oh yeah i want to see that <laughs> which and you know i'm the world's biggest war of the worlds fan right so i I still don't know what to think of that episode, <laughs> that mm-hmm. that that little mini series, because there are things about it that I just was saying, no, no, that's no, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, you know, but the book and every faithful movie of it ends with the biggest Deus Ex Machina in the world, and Peter Harness found a way around that, mm. so I admire the script for that. Well, anyway, not not too much about that. So. So he's a writer. I kind of have a, a, a complex <laughs> audience relationship with. I I think he's got some truly uh, outstanding ideas, and sometimes they just don't quite click on screen. And I don't, I can't always say why not. But anyway, but still, hats off to you, Peter Harness, because this is a this is a Doctor Who that once seen people do not
3: forget.
2: Okay. Well, Clarence Brown, do you agree?
3: Uh, about forgetting forgetfulness of this episode <laughs>
2: that and that and did you find it funny did you find it scary did you
3: find it whatever uh, scary i don't know if it feels quite scary to me uh honestly it really of course the parts with the spider looking germ i'm holding up closer the mm-hmm. germ uh, that was pretty scary and freaky. And there was some interesting parts of, of the entire episode that kept me on edge with the the gravity. And like Lee mentioned before the crash landing, the planet breaking apart, spaceship goes down under, you know, it had plenty of elements that keep me, that kept me not really scared, but it kept me kind of, you know, oh, ooh, what's going to happen next? So it definitely kept my attention uh, for the most part, but I, I really didn't feel the scariness of it until we really got to the part where um, Clara is, is burdened with this decision for all future of mankind. (laughs) Yeah. So for me,
2: I I agree. I didn't find it per se scary. I did like the atmospheric. So I will say it was atmospheric, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I don't like spiders in any shape, form or fashion. So anytime I saw the creepy quality, antibodies or whatever you want to call them they did freaking creep me out because again i don't like spiders so that was more of my creep out factor so maybe i maybe that is what's being scary is because i don't like those things so yeah you know maybe in a nutshell it did meet that end and so to speak
3: and, and i think it goes back to what lee was saying for all the cool stuff that was in episode i just feel like there were parts of it that just had me like what? We have a spaceship that crashed with nukes on a moon that now has gravity. So, it should have been much yeah. worse. We have a germ, yeah. we have a germ being repelled by a bottle of Mr. Clean. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Or Lysol, I guess, is they Outside, make the
1: claim, kills them. Yeah. <laughs> Lysol. But, well, and and okay, there's a baby. This it's a it's a it's a, a an eggshell and there's something growing inside it. And we are told that it has increased the mass of the moon by this gigantic amount, which is what it would be. Mm-hmm. But any of us who have been around anybody who's had a baby, <laughs> or, or any kind of living thing that's uh, has uh, uh, is giving life, then um, you know that you have to consume calories to add to that mass. <laughs> yeah. So the moon is apparently doing it by itself. But let me
2: ask you this. If an egg that we get is really egged Uh to have a bird in it or whatever the case may be, wouldn't that bird, wouldn't that egg before it hatches Mm -hmm. get heavier because it's gone from liquid to... Oh
1: Nope, because its food is already in the shell with it. That's what we but see from it the end.
2: Make it heavier?
1: No, nope. it, it it's this is law of conservation of matter. It's got all the the weight that it's going to have. It has all the mass that it's going to have. It transforms from being a yoke ah. and a white into a little birdie. But this is something that is gaining mass all by itself. <laughs> and I hadn't. I mean, and and if if we're saying that there was for a uh, hundred million years a yoke inside the moon. Then it would still grow into the dragon, but it wouldn't add bulk to it <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't be to the extent that it would increase the moon's gravity to earth normal
3: and not only that once it's born, it immediately spawns another same massed moon <laughs> or sail. This,
1: this is really the the point where I remember. Literally throwing something at the screen when I saw this before. Because we know that this would be catastrophic to the Earth if the moon just went away. Mm-hmm. So the only way out of this is for there to be another moon. So, God bless him. What the screenwriter does is has the newborn dragon lay an egg mm-hmm. of the same mass that it, that it was just hatched from. And even though this is all sort of magical and this is fantastical, you know. That's just that just doesn't make any sense, and and we want things even inside our absurd fantasy to at least have some sort of a logical through line. But the 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 fact that the moon is collecting mass from nowhere, and then it lays an egg the same size as the one it has no, yeah. no, just no. Also, if the moon's mass has increased six hundred percent, everybody on Earth is dead. I am sorry, but they're dead. Yeah, I mean that's how tides work, <laughs> you know. So there are no survivors, and you know, I just, I, I just always think you can go back into a script like that with a pencil and say, okay, that doesn't make sense. What else can we say happened? But make something
3: up. Don't. Yeah, they very easily could have did some time lord technology or something to explain how this thing could make another you know they could have kind of explained right. some of it but it's they, a story with a with yeah with the with the time
1: machine that is bigger on the inside yeah we yeah. we can we can explain this but don't say that it's natural that that's just what happens because <laughs> it's not and you can't land a shuttle on the moon belly down like that <laughs> it'll just tear it to pieces
2: <laughs> i have not seen this since you and i met lee And I promise you, when I watched this this time and saw that part, I wrote down, Lee is going to hate
1: this. (laughs) Yep.
2: And because it it takes you out of the story. I'm sorry, the whole good feeling or the good moral story, it goes from sci-fi to fantasy at that point. Yeah.
1: And this is a a sci-fi slash fantasy show anyway, so I, I accept that. But it is always, I always think Doctor Who is at its best when it does clean up its own mess, if you know what I mean. If if you're going to have something improbable happen, then let's find out why it did that. And in this case, I just don't buy the answers.
3: Yeah, it it and it definitely went to strides by the end of the episode to make it feel like, oh, this is the Doctor Who world's first contact. This is what's going to mm-hmm. push us into space and beyond. But it yeah. it it just felt kind of clunky, you know? <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, we had kind of given up on space for ten years after. Why are they blame it on the Mexican space team? <laughs> 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 hey, Did they? Yeah, I, they say it was a Mexican mining uh, mission that uh, well, cracked it open.
2: And I thought that that was very interesting. You know, of all countries, I mean. It could have been Sweden. Sorry, Sweden, but it could have been Sweden <laughs> mm-hmm. for all we know. Yeah, you know. But why Mexico? Why Mexicans? I just thought that that was an interesting national choice. I-,
1: I thought that they just happened to be
2: there when it started hatching. But,
1: well, they could be it. They could uh, be. That's it. that's the way I read that.
2: We have a choice, and my choice is to go on into the next part of our. Review and talk about specifically choices. And I want to break this down into three parts. And the first part is in the choice, why do you think the doctor, or what do you think of the doctor's choice to leave? And Clarence, why don't you take this first? What do you think of the
3: doctor's choice
2: to leave?
3: I was furious that he would put that, that decision on Clara uh, Courtney and the woman who's been in space one time. <laughs> now mm-hmm. in turn, they put it back on the earth as a whole in a very, another dumb way, I think. And what it was 18 minutes. They gave everybody a chance to turn off their lights or turn them on. Yes. Everybody
1: in the world, yes. Wouldn't
3: that take longer than eighteen minutes to see the world rotate?
1: Anyway, it would, and there are some lights that you just can't turn off. Mm. I mean, they were asking them to turn off the lights uh, in the airport, you know, uh, yeah, on the runway, there, <laughs> and that kind of thing. No, we're going to shut down all the streetlights on all the highways everywhere, and now yeah
2: but it looks like they actually did that to say no
1: <laughs> we we wanted this thing to die so badly <laughs> that we were willing to to turn off all the street lights on every road in America
3: oh there was another Wee. line too where um was it Clara that said so who's better qualified the president of America <laughs> just like yeah what? he said I makes too many decisions. she makes too many yeah <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> so the fact that the doctor leaves this with, with with Clara was just a lot. And she even makes the point after it's all said and done, she says, y- you're you're part of us. You visit here. You are have been uh assimilated into our culture. This is your yeah. you walk your our planet, and you breathe our air. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: But 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 well, specifically back because I want to get to that in a minute, but mm-hmm. specifically the choice so you're, you're you're saying that that was a bad yeah. choice Lee what do you think
1: I'm thinking back to earlier when I said that we always try to think of something positive to say, and I, I I understand I think the the screenwriter's intent here is that we want the doctor to take a chance on Clara and for it to fail spectacularly on him, and that's really the end of the episode. Uh, because I, I kind of feel for him. I mean, he says, I was trying to show you how much I trust you. Because anybody, any casual viewer of the show knows that he interferes in human history all the time. Yes. So, so his, we know this doesn't wash when he says, not my decision. Well, that's never stopped you before. Mm. So, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I, 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 ca- I like the idea that this is sort of a, a big gesture for Clara. One wonders if he couldn't do it on something with consequences that <laughs> are a little less catastrophic. But, um, because if if he'd been wrong, she would have gone up in that nuclear explosion. So it's just kind of it, it, it's flawed. But I I do think I like
3: the intent of it. Is what I'm saying. But, um, but do we think he? Because he mentioned gray area. This is a huge gray area. Mm, area. Mm-hmm. Do we think he knew? Or he was just like, whatever happens, happens. <sighs> that that great speech about
1: how the human race picked up and moved on after something amazing happened in 2049. I don't think that's coming to him in the moment. I think he knew that, but mm-hmm. he didn't know exactly what happened.
2: And it does that because one day in the year 2049, when it had stopped thinking about going to the stars, something occurred that made it look up, not down. It looked out into the blackness and saw something beautiful, something wonderful, and for once it didn't want to destroy. And in that one moment, the whole course of history was changed.
3: Yeah, Yeah. It kind of did want to destroy, but it didn't work.
1: <laughs> well, I think he's saying that that's what'll happen tomorrow. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. As a result of this, you know, there's a new moon in the sky. Wow, that's we should go have a look at that. You know. Mm, gotcha. Um, so I, I get that, and, and and so I guess what we have to reason from that is that he got into this situation with um, uh, Lundvik and Clara and and, <laughs> and their young teenage charge. And said, this must be it. It's 2049. This must be the moment. I'm going to let Clara handle this. That'll show her how much I trust Mm -hmm. her, what I I think of her.
2: If if humans are concerned about whether or not they're special. So, Lee, let me ask you this question. And I'm going to kind of take it in the opposite direction. The first question I asked was the doctor's choice to leave. But what do you think? Of Clara's choice to basically go against the will of the people, mm. well, have you ever done any of the uh the ethics
1: discussions in a college class or anything like that <laughs> in, in any kind of i don't know h r training do they do this where they give you the uh, oh oh yeah, absolutely you, you know what they, what they call the uh the railway car experiment or you're standing at the switch and you can see that the, the train is coming down the track and it's either going to run over that guy. Or it's going to run over those people, three or four of them, and you're standing next to the switch. So you can either run it so that it runs over that guy, but saves the other people. Or you can, you're looking at that guy in the eye. You've got to let it go on through and hit those people. Mm. They don't know what's coming. And there's a million variations of this. But even though that scenario itself is unlikely to happen. Well, it's we'll still talk to Elon, <laughs> talk to Elon, and self-driving cars. <laughs> yeah, well, right. If, if our cars are better drivers than we are, right, and and they they will face exactly that scenario. Do I save the person in the car, or the three people that it's, that we're about to hit, and are we're, we're going to trust artificial intelligence to make that kind of choice that we ourselves have have difficulty making? Yeah, Clara. Is a very strong-willed and highly ethical person, and she's and she literally says,
3: "I don't care what everybody else says. <laughs> this is I, this is what's right." Good for you. Yeah, I mean it's a hard decision, and oh man, I think of all the other uh, movies where we make f- first contact and we want to blow them the smithereens. You know, mm-hmm. I think of that, and of course, it all turned out great but there was no way of knowing that her decision was not the bad decision you know she just made she she followed her heart her heart and it could have all went sideways so i don't know man i don't <laughs> i don't want to be in her shoes that's for sure cuz it's de- definitely that dilemma that lee just said what what's the right choice you know i this this is maybe a a slight deflection in another direction,
1: but I gotta bring this up. I, I follow Nicholas Meyer on Facebook. And he's one of my heroes, and um, known to Star, Star Trek fans as so uh, the savior of the franchise because he directed uh, wrote and directed uh, Wrath of Khan. And he's saying one of the things that, after all these years, that has always puzzled him is that nobody realize that nobody talks about the fact that when the Genesis device goes off, they're all gonna die. And if Spock goes into the, the warp drive or whatever he's doing and fixes that thing, puts his hand into, you know, lets loose all the radioactivity, he's going to die. Spock isn't sacrificing his life. He's going to die anyway. Mm. Mm. But isn't it interesting that we always think of that as a sacrifice to save the rest of the crew? Mm. It, it could mm. it could be entirely selfish. It's not. But the, <laughs> But the yeah. point is... This is his only chance to, to live, except that he knows he isn't. So, <laughs> so yeah. strike that argument.
2: But, but it's only logical.
1: But it, it is no he does, intended. He does not at all. He does what is logical. I'm going to die anyway. I'm going to go in here and do this thing that none of the humans will do because they know it's fatal. He's the only one who's saying, well, wait a minute. We're all going to die anyway. What difference does it make? I'll go mm. in there and do that. It's not an emotional choice. It's completely logical. Or maybe he's thinking, I can't let my friend Jim die like this. Uh, so he's saying, really, that's the question: what gets him in through the, through that door? Uh, I, I love that. Anyway, but 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 we do. And my favorite scene, I'll go ahead and say, is this little coda with Danny at the end, because Danny is our reminder that ordinary people like you and me, whether we can do backflips over machines or not. <laughs> We get put in these situations where we have to make these kinds of decisions. We really do. Mm. And he says, you know, I, I love the Army. And then one day I didn't.
2: Mm. Mm. So for me, I, I, I actually wrote down and I, and I, well, not wrote down, I typed and then I took the question out because I was going to ask us what would we do in this situation. And I didn't ask it for this particular reason. Mm. Scenarios are different you can't imagine putting yourself in that type of position. So I didn't want to, you know, we can't frame ourselves in, in that position. That said for Clara as a character, I think it was a humongous, humongous, tremendous, whatever, humongous new word, but very big moment for her as a character because it allowed her I think to maybe break away from once and for all the impossible girl trope and be her own person. And I will, I will go so far as to even saying, I'm glad she stayed longer than this, but I think it would have been writing genius for the doctor's story for this to have been Clara's last episode. Mm. And her final moment with him is the moment where she basically gives it to him.
1: Yeah. Mm. that that would have been brilliant wouldn't it because you uh, i love the way peter capaldi plays this she she goes out through that door and he looks like he has been punched in the stomach yeah it's just not what he expected
2: because i think he thought he was doing good in his own warped sense of reality yes yes. yeah
1: because i mean he asks he asks uh, courtney if she's 35 years old he doesn't he doesn't get us <laughs> all the time. And he's come very close to make it a, 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 a very good human judgment about Clara. But it's he's, he's wrong. He's still wrong.
2: Lee, you mentioned a scene. I'm going to bounce to this one and then bounce back to the Clara scene. But you made a mention of the scene with Danny and Clara after she basically tells the doctor off. And I had forgotten how much this kind of imprinted on me, this conversation, and specifically with Danny saying to Clara, come back and see me when you're not angry. Because as long as you're angry, you still care. Yeah. I have found that this is true. You can never
1: finish with anyone while they can still make you angry. Yeah. I think it's one of the great lessons of life and that we we probably all sense it as little kids, you know? Because we, we can make our parents furious at us, but we know we're safe to do so. They wouldn't waste time on us if they didn't still love us.
2: Good point.
1: So I, I think that's what Danny's talking about. Um, if she could just walk away from the doctor and be done with him. But
2: then She's done. She's
1: done. So.
2: so Clarence, what did you, let's go back now to the scene where Clara gives it to him. What did you think of that?
3: Uh, He deserved it. (laughs) I don't know if I can add much more than what Leah's already said. I just, I just feel like, you know, it just culminated in this frustration of her being placed in this position that it it, it was, so so you're not going to grow doing the same thing. You're going to grow by being pressured to do something or being put in a situation that's not normal, you know? In in, in that aspect, I feel like she thrived. She did well in it. But again, to my point before, it still could have went either way. And I feel like the, the times where I like Clara playing Dr. Light is when she takes charge on her own or goes off and do something else on her own. Even though in this moment, I feel like she was Dr. Light. It just felt wrong that. She was just thrown into it with such a tremendous decision and the doctor was nowhere to be found. He wasn't behind her. He wasn't over her shoulder. He wasn't no. within, you know, phone, dis- a walking distance to go talk to him. He, he got in the and I'm gone. Tell me what you
0: knew.
3: Nothing. I told you, I've got gray areas.
0: Yeah, I noticed. Tell me what you knew, Doctor, I'll smack you so hard you regenerate.
2: I knew that eggs are not bombs. I know they don't usually destroy their nests. Essentially what I knew was that you would always make the best choice. I had faith that you would always make the right choice.
0: Honestly, do you have music playing in your head when you say rubbish like that?
3: It wasn't my decision to make, I told you.
0: Yeah, well why do you do it? Was it it for Courtney? Was that it? Well,
3: she really is something special now, isn't she? First woman on the moon, saved the Earth from itself, and rather bizarrely, she becomes the President
2: of the
0: United States. She met this bloke called Blinavid. Do you know what? Shut up. I am so sick of listening to you.
3: Oh, well, I I didn't do it for Courtney. I didn't know what was going to happen. Do you think I'm lying?
0: I don't know. I don't know. But if you didn't do it for her, I mean... Do you know what? It was it was cheap. It was pathetic. No, no, no. It was patronizing. That was you. Pat Ingle's on the back single. You're big enough to go to the shops by yourself. Now go on, toddle along.
2: Well, that was me allowing you to make a choice about your own future. That was me... respecting you.
0: Oh, my God, really? Was it? Yeah, well, respected is not how I feel. Right, okay. Uh... I nearly didn't press that button. I nearly got it wrong. That was you, my friend, making me scared, making me feel like a bloody idiot. Oh, don't you ever tell me to mind my language. Don't you ever tell me to take the stabilizers off my back. And don't you dare lump me in with the rest of all the little humans that you think are so tiny and silly and predictable. You walk our Earth, Doctor. You breathe our air. If you make us your friend, then that is your moon, too, and you can damn well help us when we need it.
2: I was helping.
0: What, by like clearing off? Yes. Yeah, we'll clear off! Go on! You can clear off, get back in your lonely, your lonely bloody TARDIS, and you don't come back. Clara. Clara! You go away. Okay? You go a long way away.
3: It, to me, that was hard to watch. So she was justified <laughs> in her anger.
2: Awesome. 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 Well, I will tell you guys, I love that scene. I, like I said, I can't quote it now, but I memorized it at one point because I just loved every single piece of it. So
1: oh, to her, her telling him off.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I just thought, I just thought it was the, the whole don't, uh, you know, um, go away, doctor, and basically don't come back. So I am through the notes that I have, but I am curious before we get into the wrap up, if you guys have anything else.
1: Well, I feel like the elephant in the room or the dragon in the moon is we got to say the word abortion. Mm. Once Clara, people may already be thinking it as they're watching the episode, but then Clara says, it's a baby. I can't kill a baby. That's a quote,
3: mm. Mm. and
1: so everybody who wasn't thinking that way already sits up and says, "Oh, oh yeah, mm. that's right. That's that's what's happening here, isn't it?" And the whole world votes to kill it. So mm. you know, kind of regardless of where you are on that real-world debate, this is a th- this episode says something powerful about it. But I'm not sure what it is in the end. <laughs> because um, in the end, having the baby was the right thing to do. Um, hmm.
2: well, <laughs> but maybe the question in the end was there was a choice.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, this, I mean, seriously, this episode could almost be called word, The Choice. Still, no, no, it really could.
2: You know, there was a choice. Mm-hmm. They had the ability clara the people of america the people of the planet the people of uk yep mexico sweden sorry sweden <laughs> all those places
1: everybody was behind Had a choice yeah that's right
2: and maybe the choice is the lesson here
1: mm, i like it yeah I, th- oh, cool. I think in the in my mind i'm going to stop calling this episode kill the moon and start calling
2: it the choice the choice Ooh. i like that um be- and the speech. The choice. The, and the, yeah, the oh, choice. Yeah. I, like. I, I do like the choice. That
3: is cool. Clarence, do you have anything from your notes that we haven't gone over? I was thinking we called this episode White Lightning and alcohol pops Which I did <laughs> look up. <laughs> and it's <laughs> basically wine coolers and liquor in the UK. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, let's see. I had one that
1: I, I needed to look up because uh, it had passed my... Uh, anglophile ears and i did not know okay Is there something, um
3: lady something lady yes t- t-
1: t- t- tina tina lady for secret santa it's um it's um uh, uh, uh how what do we call them here um uh, uh, incontinence pads uh yeah basically adult diaper uh,
3: yeah that's, that's, that's we, a horrible Secret Santa gift. Uh, yeah. that.
1: <laughs> she says she thinks I gave her a packet of Tina Levy for Secret Santa. <laughs> so apparently she didn't, but somehow. Yeah.
2: Well, you know what is really, really cool yeah. and is a perfect way to end before we get into our fi- favorite quotes, even though I know you've already said your favorite scene, is the fact that we have, listening to one of our previous episodes, While we are recording, our friend Shannon sends us a message just a few minutes ago, and she is saying, hey, Kyle, responding to the hey, Shannon, when discussing (laughs) MI-18. And I think I remember saying, hey, Shannon. Yes. So, hey, Shannon. (laughs) We love you. We love you. We need to get her back on an episode soon. Maybe we could do something like... Favorite companions, Ooh, that would be a good thing. To, we could say story 10, choice. Yeah. no. Five, five, five favorite companions. That'll, that'll, we should do that. Yeah. Favorite scene. Lee, I know your favorite scene. Mm-hmm.
3: Clarence, what was yours? My favorite scene is going to be the germ scene with the cleaning solution or whatever that is that, <laughs> that, that Courtney had for her sick that was all over the TARDIS. Lysol's
1: brag is that it kills 99% of uh, germs. So that's what she (laughs) says. So it must be spray Lysol. (laughs) It worked. (laughs) She didn't know that was a germ, but she's right.
2: All right. So my favorite scene would have to be the one I keep referring to. Clara goes off on the doctor. That's my favorite scene. So favorite quote, I will start favorite quote, and I will say... Tell me what you knew, or I will smack you so hard you'll regenerate.
1: <laughs> it's it's almost the giveaway line, isn't it? It's like when we were doing Sea Devils mm. and we said, well, it's got to be, I reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, right?
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but for this episode, it's, I will smack you so hard you regenerate.
3: <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you guys. In that vein, we get the scene at the very beginning when they meet the astronauts where the doctor is like, shoot courtney shoot clara and then shoot me i'll yeah, keep regenerating but, anyway i'm like what is he talking yes about?
1: and he said maybe forever he said yeah, he's the know. doctor he's got he's the doctor with the reboot right he's he's got uh, all the new regenerations yes. so. mm. <laughs> <laughs> but why shoot courtney first i just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> oh, wow.
2: uh, sometimes he's so clueless he's all right. So what, what was that? that was your favorite quote, right?
3: No, that was just an honorable mention. Okay. No. <laughs> All
2: right. So what was your favorite quote? Uh,
3: my favorite quote, actually, I have two and I hope I don't take anyone else's, but hmm. both are from Courtney. And the first one is, you can't just take me away like that. It's like you kicked a big hole in the side of my life. You really you really think it. it I'm nothing. Nothing special. Yeah. And the other one is... That's why she's asking, yeah. Yeah. Kicked a hole in the side of her life. Wow. Wow. And my other one is, one small thing for a thing, one (laughs) enormous thing for a thingy thing. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) She knows it's something like that. (laughs) All right, Lee, what say you? I love this exchange so much, and it's the last lines of the episode. When did you get to become so wise? Same way as anyone else. I had a really bad day. I want to hear about the bad day.
3: Tell me what happened.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Spoilers. We Mm. did learn that
1: she wants to have babies.
2: Ah. Mm. Interesting.
1: Which Courtney says, Mr. Pink.
2: Pink. Yeah. Interesting. But you know what's also interesting? Mm. Final rating, Lee Shackleford. Final rating, what say you?
1: Like I say, I have a lot of trouble with this episode. There are things about it that just don't make any sense, even in a fantasy show. But um, it does build extraordinary tension. And the the big ideas in it are certainly worth talking about. So, I I don't know. I got to give it at least uh, three and a half dragons in the moon
2: mm. all right clarence brown what say ye
3: i'm going to give this about 3.8 thingy things there were parts that were really good i i love the visuals of the episode i thought they were just fantastic i was really into that uh it was just some clunky things about the story that just didn't make much sense and you know for much as we want to talk about Tibno and this this big thing coming to devour everything toward earth I've even got what it was called what was it, the vortex what was it called? I can't even remember spoilers uh <laughs> Chibnall. um Chibnall. but but it just goes away, and everything seems to be fine, and Earth is normal after it ends so um yeah, it just felt kind of clunky on some of the story aspects with the moon just reappearing and things like that, so again, three point eight thingy things
2: so since you said that i'm going to go back to our review of legends of the sea devil and i think it was lee that said you know that there were moments that on paper were supposed to put an emotional response and we weren't feeling that true i give you everything that you just said about you know there were reset buttons where everything is hunky dory but there were so many things that were on paper that did translate into emotional reactions from being able to watch it. Yeah. That I must say that I will give it a four. But for what? Four slaps that will make you so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Four slaps that will knock you so hard that you fall into Sweden. Sorry, Sweden. <laughs>
3: What is this, Sweden? Jeez.
2: Hey, I've said sorry, Sweden, so many times this episode. I just had to say it one more time. Still
1: shouting sorry, out Sweden. to Shannon. That that's early in Oz Nine, isn't it? We established that one of the one of the other ships just landed on Earth, continent, and obliterated it or Earth country. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sweden. So sorry, Sweden.
2: I guess I would just say for everyone listening, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. What did you think of this episode? Did you enjoy it? Did you agree with us? Do you disagree? Let us know. Reach out to us. And as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.